comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and A, we're talking The Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, comma, part one. I wonder what District 15 is like. Do dee dee do dee Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello! 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 Hello? Out Now is a film podcast. Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 173. 173. We're getting pretty close to 12. Yeah, I'm seven plus up. We're three. A, plus, yeah, <laughs> we're at a we're at a high multiple of twelve at this point. I would say. I'd, I'd say so. I'd have to do the uh, the division there. I'd be I'd be almost certain we're near fifteen times twelve. Really? I I believe you because I can't do mental math. I think we're probably greater than that actually. <laughs> Who would you? Okay. Why would we do this though? We didn't email in out now podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> what no, what Someone multiple the of is closest to one seven three? Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. Uh, well, I'm doing 15, and that's 180. 14 is 168, so in between? Sure. Sure. This is the movie podcast, by the way. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this week we're talking about The Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, comma, part one. Part one. Is there a comma there? I, I want to be sure. I mean, Abe, what I, I mean, I think it's a better safe than sorry type scenario. That's why we say Probably. Uh, oh, we're probably not going to get marked off from that one. Yeah, no one gets fined for adding too much punctuation. Yeah, okay, all right. That's one of my favorite bands from the 80s, by the way, Too Much Punctuation. Too Much Punctuation? I think they had that one smash hit, comma, comma, what's your dilemma? <laughs> oh, all I'm right. so glad you came up with something. Usually you just yeah. kind of putter out, but that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, by the way, we have a guest joining us to talk to Hunger Games, Cole, and Mockingjay, comma, part one, all of that. It is uh, from Just Seen It, the director of Bread and Butter, the winner of the Best Feature Woo! Film Award of the 2014 Big Apple Film Festival, yeah, yeah. meaning that the odds may actually, in fact, be in favor for her. It is Liz Manichel. That is a great intro. Hello. Hi, Liz. How are you doing? Liz. <laughs> I'm so good, but you guys are so fast. Like, I've tried to jump in, and I'm like, I can't think of anything <laughs> clever, and you're already past that. You're five minutes past when I was trying Aww. to figure out something. So you're fast. Well, we are, Abe and I, what we have as an edge in this podcast is the fact that we're from five minutes in the future. That's why we're best. <laughs> it's actually a biography about Aaron. Congratulations on your win. I saw that you, you won a, a New York award. <laughs> I was like, won, well, yeah. like, one of those New York awards that, yeah. the, that, the, that the kids hand out. We won it, but I, I don't have it yet. I'm waiting for it to come in the mail because my friend Rebecca, who looks similar to me, accepted it for me in New York. Oh, so you had a doppelganger <laughs> present. That's good. Kind of. Yeah, she's so sweet. She filled in for me before on my birthday when I forgot my driver's license. And yet he's sure, here she is again, you know, in New York. She's wonderful. Yay, Rebecca. Did she do all the uh, the speech work for you, too, as Liz Manischel? I gave her something to say, but I think she just took it and walked away. So I don't think so. <laughs> It would have been funny if she, like, really got into character and her hands were shaking and she's like, oh, thank you guys. I really want to thank USC, Sean. 
That's like exact. Well, not USC, but yes, Sean. Yes, Sean. <laughs> USC did not help me out with this film. <laughs> this is exciting, guys. I remember Liz. We had you on. I believe it was our fiftieth episode when we had you on for the first Hunger Games. Oh my gosh. And now we're at one seven three. That's crazy. It's a multiple of twelve that I don't know. One seven three is probably a prime number. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it's divisible by twelve evenly. But yeah, no, this is exciting. Got is right. on. Abe's on. I'm not even in my regular place. I'm in I'm in sunny Las Vegas with my wonderful. Oh, I, I thought you were gonna yeah. say something like you're in your pajamas or something. No, I'm yeah. just Abe. I do the podcast pretty professionally. I'm actually showered and dressed and uh, kind of spiffy. I'm wearing clothing that you would wear when you go for a hike. Like, <gasps> me too. <laughs> I am. I'm going for a hike after this. That's crazy. Nice. Yeah, I'm wearing like a bright orange outdoor research jacket and like some pants to go out <laughs> for a cool morning hike. I'm not wearing that, but I agree with hikes. Yeah. In that general. was uh, that was an episode of uh, What's Abe Wearing? It's <laughs> uh, our new segment, friends. Let us know how it works. So, uh, Abe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, but because of the Hunger Games colon Mockingjay comma part one being out in our fun that we have punctuation, last time we addressed Star Wars was before we actually had a title, but we were asked a pivotal question of how we were going to pronounce the title for the Star Wars Episode Seven film. I think we finally have a, a, a sort of an answer. Well, at least we, we have more to work with because we have an actual title now, The Force Awakens, of course. So at this current juncture, I'm feeling Star Wars colon Episode 7 dash or hyphen The Force Awakens. The dash? I, I think I'm more more comfortable with the colon. We'll see what they decide to do. Well, we ha- we, already, we can't have t- double colon. Well, that w- yeah, I forget what that's called. Or what that use that's used for? Large intestine and a small intestine. Of course. Oh, <laughs> but no, we have Star Wars colon episode. It can't be Star Wars colon episode seven colon The Force Awakens. You're right about that. Maybe it's just no colon or this, no second colon and then The Force Awakens just so, on a separate, so, second line. So Star Wars colon episode seven The Force Awakens. Yeah, that'd be weird. What about just Star Wars episode seven? Yeah, or, they should just really talk to the grammar police. And then smaller fonts. The Force Awakens, and then no colon. Whoa. Smaller. Obviously, this, this, we, I mean, we have about like 370-something days, so I mean, we'll, we'll figure this out, I guess. I just like the idea that Star Wars would institute that they would like, they would be like, the typography of my title is that you just have to use a smaller font for the second part of it, and that's what we require. Like, that would be really cool. No grammar. No grammar. Smaller fonts. Smaller fonts. They're just going to go, cool, kid, in English class. <laughs> Star Wars defies grammar. Something like that. So uh, moving on, let's get to some announcement stuff before we get into the main show here. Um, let's start off the big thing, or one of the big things. That's a little sad. Um, director Mike Nichols passed away uh, this week, and uh, Mike Nichols, for those who are not aware, is a highly acclaimed director. He's made such films as Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Graduate, Working Girl, and uh, the HBO uh, miniseries uh, Angels in America. Lots of, I mean, he has a huge resume, and he was a very accomplished uh, director and filmmaker. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, ask you guys, uh, any uh, any thoughts on Mike Nichols? Anything you want to look back on? Uh, he, I mean, I just remember seeing The Graduate in high school, and actually my, this is so stupid, but my high school quotation in the yearbook mm-hmm. was plastics. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, loved that movie more than words can say, and then I remember, like, and then, like, my ringtone for my best friend Rebecca that I was talking about, one of my best friends, is let the river run from working girl. Like it's just, it's stupid, but like, I just feel like when you watch a Mike Nichols movie, you get this 
this feeling or this tone that he puts forth and it's incredibly unique and it's not like a style, but it's just like this, like, I don't know, this very accomplished feeling that he puts mm-hmm. out there. And um, I was very impacted by the news. I just think he's just an astoundingly talented director. Yeah, especially when you take a look at his filmography here and you might have not realized that he directed some things that you've seen and enjoyed. Uh, one of mine is Primary Colors, and I thought that was actually a pretty funny film with a interesting kind of message to tell you back in, like, 1997. It was kind of during, like, the, the Clinton administration. He also directed The Birdcage and one of my one of my more favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman role movies of Charlie Wilson's War. There was never really anything that you could say was, like, his... Or at least I never really saw it uh, in terms of his work. Like, oh, well, he's always known for doing this. But he always had a really good statement in his movies, which is like, hey, by the way, like this is something that you can really laugh at. So I always found that comedy was kind of very subtly, too, uh, in a very smart way. The way he merges kind of serious topics with humor. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and I always enjoyed that. So, yeah, I was bummed out to, to hear about the news. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really. You mentioned Charlie Wilson's War. I really like that movie, and that has that Aaron Sorkin screenplay, and that was right. It, it has like like Philip Seymour Hoffman was nominated for best supporting actor in that film, and I, he has some really pivotal scenes. It's sad that we have like Philip Seymour Hoffman's gone, Mike Nichols is gone, and Robin Williams is gone. All yeah. are connected now in various ways between the Birdcage, Charlie Wilson's War, and just Mike Nichols in general. <laughs> so this yeah. is just thinking about this just now. But um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of The Graduate. The Graduate's one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. And what makes that even crazier is that I saw The Graduate when I was in college, uh, for the first yeah. senior year in college specifically, which made it not only a great movie to watch, but also one of the scariest movies I've ever seen at that time. <laughs> because <laughs> the state that Dustin Hoffman's in of being a graduate coming out of college and having no direction, yeah. I uh, like that just reflected on me so much. Of like, yeah. here in my senior year of college, like, this is scary. Like, I have no idea what's happening. Then, then, then things get a little more romantic, and I'm like, okay, good. Captain Ross is here. It's making me feel better. But, well, yeah. yeah, but then the ending. Okay, spoiler-free. Spoiler-free review. <laughs> yes. No, no spoilers for The Graduate, which is like 45 <laughs> years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, Mr. Feeney was his dad. That was, yep. uh, yeah, I always found that. I was like, Mr. Feeney. <laughs> yeah. One last thing I'd like to add uh, is Working Girl. Bob's Burgers just had an episode recently yes. where, where Gina is trying to write a musical for uh, Die Hard, and then his counterpart is trying to write a, a musical for Working Girl, and they finally mesh it at the end, and it's it's a really nice episode. So uh, it's very nice that they had that episode, you know, with this news here. Uh, so people should check that out. That's it's fun. But yeah, uh, our, uh, Mike Nichols, R.I.P. and you know, prayers go out to his family and all that. And yeah, it's you know, he lived a long life. He had a very accomplished life, and it's sad, but things happen. So moving on. Uh, let's see. Brighten things up a bit. Speaking of directors, it was Martin Scorsese's birthday not too long ago, like this past week. And I just wanted to Marty? shout that out because it's a nice way to tie into something else that's a little cheerier. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm a big Scorsese fan. I actually watched After Hours the other day, which I hadn't seen in a long time. But that's Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn. That's a very fun... You guys interviewed him, I believe, right? Yeah, I got to interview Griffin Dunn, and I kind of got all gooey-eyed when he started talking about my girl. And yeah. I it was really embarrassing. <laughs> He's adorable. So yeah, happy happy birthday, Martin Scorsese. I'm sure we all could. We happy could birthday, on. eyebrows. We could, yeah, eyebrows. <laughs> we could probably go on for days about Martin Scorsese movies, but um, let's not. Let's go on to other things. Um, what else? iTunes reviews and ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find our show. Yeah. Um, thank you for- so- Log on to iTunes and perhaps uh, give us a review or a rating. It'd be great. Pretty sure if you start typing like out now, and then we're just like there. Out now, it's done. It's like right there. 
Yeah. What else? New commentary coming soon. We will have a new commentary. Fret not. Hold your horses, folks. Yeah, hold those go horses. Go Stop letting go horses. That's really what the message is. Stop <laughs> letting Stop go letting horses go. <laughs> oh, let my horses go. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I forgot what we were talking about. I just read ratings and new commentaries. Those are, those are the key parts of that message. And um, so let's move on. Let's, uh, let's get to... Um, Let's get into the show, guys. Let's get to know everybody. Right. Each week we ask each other some questions here and try to set the tone for the podcast and better get to know no, everybody. everybody. With that said, I'll start this one off this week. Okay. This is for both of you guys. You you guy and gal. <laughs> Thank um, you. Has there ever been a film that you would have liked to split up into two parts or more? Uh, most certainly probably Dark Knight Rises. And I know that's kind of an answer that people say, oh, yeah, it should have been two. But – yeah, I think it could have benefited from being two. Um, it kind of would have ruined the idea of a trilogy, I suppose. But um, some more time for Bruce Wayne to recuperate uh, and then come back to the city and finish off the uh, the two enemies. That would have been in, probably a little bit better. Be an interesting way sense. to take it. Yeah. yeah, I think we talked about this too when we were talking about. Yeah, this. probably. So certainly, That's certainly the has first a, one that pops in my head. It certainly has a point where it could have ended, <laughs> like in the middle and. You know, flesh out both sides of those stories. I say the same about Spider-Man Three, actually. Oh yeah, Tim Nidalee idea. Yeah, I, I feel like like that. There's that you know when when he basically when he gets the when he gets the symbiote suit off of him and like then Topher Grace, <laughs> Eddie Brock get becomes just yelling. Yeah. If he just like when like the second he becomes Venom, that could have been like credits done, and then you flesh out both sides of those stories, and it yeah. doesn't feel like you have a rushed Venom. <laughs> so. True. I'm looking at my DVD selection to see if that will inspire me, but I really no. I I'd rather just sit into like one really really long movie always. Yeah, I, I think I'd prefer that too. I wouldn't really mind if it, the movie is checking along pretty well. Like *Nymphomaniac*, I really would have liked to see that as one movie. I when I saw them as two, I was excited because I was like, I love Lars von Trier. Yay, I get two Lars von Trier movies instead of one. But if you but it, it would have been nice to see it as just one full story. Well, you're in luck, uh, you're in luck, Liz. <laughs> there's but that we, full, there's that one cut, but well, I haven't we, well, seen it we'll yet. Get, we'll get to this later, but there <gasps> is something on the horizon coming out. Really? Yes. I'm excited. I'm it's glad a, I brought it up. Well-timed in your part. <laughs> um, my, my answer to this question would have been Watchmen, uh, may, but even more than two parts. I just have it be a, you know, a giant miniseries. So. Just every, okay. every every week's you know one it'd be a twelve part miniseries so it'd be every chapter on HBO so they on could HBO. actually do everything that they want yeah. or or yeah. stars yeah stars with a Z yeah, yeah. And, does anyone uh, watch stars anymore yeah. yes okay all right they got shows <laughs> which they shows? got movies they got they had they had, well they had Spartacus which is a great show Spartacus they currently have that Da Vinci's Demon show which people watch apparently there's that Black Sails show oh yeah um. They had just announced an Evil Dead TV series with Sam Raimi directing the pilot and Bruce Campbell starring as... Ad- I mean, I can't wait for that. That's just got me super excited. <laughs> Stars got stuff, Abe. All right, all right. Okay, <laughs> I believe you. You got a question? Do I have a question? Yes, I do. So again, question for both of you guys. You guys are stuck in a bunker, probably like 80 stories, just like in Hunger Games. What is the food that you would most likely be eating? Oh, food... Seems uh, like they were eating the the meals ready to eat when they were traveling, like in those pouches. But you never really saw you saw some things, but you don't know what it is. Like, it could like, all just be like tofu. Like what do you think we are? Into, what do you think we are eating, or what would, we, what would we prefer to eat? What would you What would you think you like? Organization heads are making oh, you eat. 
cup, of, you cup of noodle it. and tang. That is <laughs> so salty and so sugary. <laughs> Done. Cup of noodle and tang. That's my answer. <laughs> I think, I mean, even if the fresh produce would be very difficult, there must be a way that they could, like, what are those little tubes? Pneumatic tube. They can pneumatic tube some, like, superfoods and, <laughs> and blend them up into, like, a plastic cup for you. I don't know. I think it would be, like, a drinking society. <laughs> yeah, I, mean. I was thinking of, like, gruel society as well. Gruel. Yeah. yeah. With, little, like, with little Finnick coming up. Hey, sir. <laughs> <laughs> can I have some old gruel? <laughs> More? Yeah. You go back to your bunk in District whatever. After watching, um, I saw the Annie trailer uh, last night. Uh, after watching that, I was thinking, what if they did, like, a hipped-up version of Oliver Twist? <laughs> That starring Jamie Bell? <laughs> He's Ooh. too old now. I know. <laughs> yeah, but that would have be, been nice if he was like, oh, wait, maybe? No. Would be that would be, Jamie Bell, be like, kinda... like, every year he did, like, one stage production of Oliver Twist, even as he got older. So it'd be weird if, like, they had a re- or reproduction of it, a hip-hoppy, but then all the characters are American. Well, they, like, they did it nope. to Annie. <laughs> Annie's British? Annie? What? No, Annie's but American. I mean, they made a hip hop. Oh, hip hop. They, they okay. They, they, no, they made it modern. They made it yeah. sexy. Mrs. Hannigan's now sexy. Ugh. Is, is she? Is she? I don't. She's. Because she's Cameron Diaz. It's like oh, we can't. I don't. I don't know if that's like a one. Like, she, yeah. It's not like a one to two thing anymore of Cameron Diaz. It's, I mean, she's attractive. Don't get me wrong. Cameron but, Diaz can make it work if she yeah. wants to. But I don't know if she's playing up the sex appeals too much. <laughs> it just still feels like some studio head was like, "Let's make her sexy." Oh, who do we? Oh. Cameron Diaz, yes, she could do this. She's got the legs. They're probably, I don't know. They're probably looking at her work through this year like, oh, man, she's going to be hot. She's got sex tape. She's got whatever else. <laughs> yeah, a counselor. Yeah, yeah it's going to oh, be great. Right. She's going to be the number one star of 2014. It's like, no, maybe we miscalculate. <laughs> but the good thing, they have Jamie Foxx playing piano, which is always a treat. <laughs> and that's how you play? No. No, everybody. <laughs> Let's move on. Now let's get down to quickies. TM. Each week or not now, we have one main movie we're talking about. We always have other movies that we see during the week. That's how we're going on. TM. All of that. All of that. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? Finally got a chance to see Big Hero 6. I enjoyed it. I think the third act was kind of like a, it kind of hit me a surprise, not in terms of the emotional aspect, but just the storyline. Um, really? Well, because there's like a, 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 another character introduced, which you don't really get a lot of origin story for, that you didn't really know was in the movie either part of test uh, test footage, uh, and that kind of threw me off, and I was like, oh, I guess I can see some of this motivation, but I, I would have never guessed that on my own, um, just if you had seen the first two acts. But I still enjoyed it, and I, I definitely enjoyed the uh, the emotional touches that Disney's going for there. Cool. Uh, Liz, have you seen any other movies this week? Yeah, well, it's screener season, and so I get a lot of screeners in the mail, and I have a little pile of them. So I saw The Judge last night, which Abe, we're not going to get into it, Abe, because I'm sure you don't like it. And Aaron <laughs> doesn't like it either. I said I as much. I said that it's one of my worst movies of the year. <laughs> I I actually am defending it. I thought it was a pretty decent film. Uh, I was sucked in for two and a half hours. Uh, but the real gem that I saw, I mean, I, I mean, I saw... I was sucked in, too. I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> You're like, I can't go anywhere else. I was sucked in, too. There was a giant tornado. Yeah, did you like that scene, oh. Liz, where, they, where they're arguing during yes, a giant I storm? I did like it. <laughs> no, but I, I did I did enjoy some aspects of it, especially the acting between Robert Robert yeah. uh, Duvall and uh, Robert Downey Jr. Bob's. When they're, when they're together. Yeah, Bob, Bob and Bob. Don't forget about Bob. 
I just didn't need the Vera Farmiga Leighton Meester subplot. I Wait, didn't care you, about you, it. The, the awkward incest jokes. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also like stuff. you didn't need a love story. Like it's all about the softening of his of his heart, and I didn't really need a love story to cap that off. Yeah, and it was it a little been nice too to have a, just a two-hour movie instead of a two and a half. Hour. Yeah. So yeah. I, w- I was pretty happy with it, but I also saw Horrible Bosses too, which I we also don't we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> um, and um, Life Itself was the real gem. I saw Life Itself. Yesterday morning at 5 a.m. crying this is the, on my uh, This is the Roger Ebert documentary. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was um, probably one of the best documentaries of the year. And also, I didn't I wasn't a fan of Roger Ebert, which is really Whoa. strange. Yeah. Um, everyone Chicago else loves dislikes him. you now. You mean you mean in terms of his writing style or just his opinions on things? I never agreed with him, and so I never really sought out his opinion after I realized that we didn't have similar taste. Oh, okay. And then, um, and then after watching the movie, I have like just so much respect for him. And I completely understand why everyone was attracted to everything he had to say about the movies. And it really opened up my eyes. So I'm a huge fan of that movie, Life Itself. Cause I, I, I would certainly say I didn't always agree with Hubert. I mean, I think I've, I've counted this out once. I think that uh, like on my de facto top 10 list that I used to have, I'm pretty sure he disliked about seven of those movies. <laughs> so I mean. <laughs> It's a, it's a, That's a large percentage. Yeah, so I mean, certainly not about agreeing with him at all points, but yeah, I, I do respect him as a writer. But yeah, I did see that documentary as well, and it's it's very good, very uh, Love it. especially some certain like segments of involving Sis, his relationship with Siskel, and just yeah. kind of some tough stuff to watch involving his you know his deteriorating health and everything. Yeah. Um, I saw a movie called Black Sea. Uh, this is a movie of Jude Law that comes out, I think, in January, I think, in limited release in December. And I'm not sure how much I could say about it, but it's basically a heist movie that takes place on a sub. Ooh. And, where, uh, what, where, where did they go? Well, they, they, there's a downed sub in the Black Sea. Oh, And so I they see. get, they take, they get a sub, and they have to use that sub to get to the other sub to retrieve the lost Nazi gold aboard that other sub. Interesting. And Jude Law leads the crew, which also includes friend of the show Scoot McNary, as well as a. Uh, I'm glad that he's friend of the show now. Scoot McNary. I enjoy his work a lot. He and, and he has him and Ben Mendelsohn, both of whom were in Killing Them Softly. Ben Mendelsohn, yes. Both, they played the uh, uh, the robbers together in Killing Them Softly. They're back it, together again in this as as more robbers. Yes, yeah, more rise, more robbers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the premise is pretty neat. I think Jude Law is very good in it, and um, there's a lot of tension based off being in a claustrophobic setting such as a submarine. Um, there's some elements that are a little too convenient at points, but for the most part, I thought it was an enjoyable film. Okay. It's Black Sea. I should also add, um, being in Vegas right now, I actually got to go to my first drive-in. I never oh, really? To, You've never yeah. been to a drive-in before? I've never been to a drive-in before. There's really? not any available in SoCal. Like a... Like you, you like a fast food place where you drive in. No, that's a drive through. Oh, like you sit there in the car and you eat. Okay, yes, yes, yes. A yes. drive, a drive in movie theater. <laughs> um, not a Sonics. They, 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 they did double features, so I got to myself and my girlfriend. We got to see uh, Big Hero Six and Guardians of the Galaxy on a drive in movie theater, nice. which was pretty awesome. So I just wanted to add that because I've never been in a drive through before, and they, it's pretty cool. Like they, they like station, they like put it into you through, they pipe it into your radio station, like you. Uh, Shoot, you go to the right station, you listen to the movie's audio in that way, and you watch the movie on the screen outside. It's cool. It was, it was neat. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad experience at all. Uh, the sound can be a little bit jarring for you if you were listening to it, you know, on the, uh, whatchamacallit, on those poles, but yeah, it, it's a good experience. It's fun. Well, it was good because the, that's what they had it in the ra- on the radio within the car, so it was perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you could just tune it. 
Yeah, and what was really cool is that you can really hear the sound mixing because you hear it from different speakers through the car, so it's like you hear it from different channels and how they kind of work it around. <laughs> My car only has two speakers. You have a car? You drive? <laughs> that's the that's the drive sound. That, that's my uh, that's my car right there. Okay. They got swooshes on them. They're Nikes and nice. Adidas. Well, that was on a quickies. Jim. Let's uh, hold hold on hold the hold. I'm the, holding. Got an I'm update holding. here. Got an update. I'm holding. It I'm waiting. Apparently, regarding the title talk, it okay. is Hunger Games colon Mockingjay dash part one. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. So sorry, Grammar Police, but we got it right this time. It's a, yeah, we're good now. We're, we're good. Right track. We're even. Okay. We paid back our debt. We'll get back to that later. For now, let's get to trailer talk. Each week we talk about some of the newest movie trailers, what we thought of them when they're coming out, what have you. And this week, for the under the anticipation of many, um, we have Pitch Perfect 2. Um, this is, of course, a sequel to Pitch Perfect because, as they say in the trailer, the pitch is back. Yeah, right. this, <laughs> this film reunites the entire cast from the first Pitch Perfect movie. I should say this right now. I forget if how much I addressed this on the podcast before. I'm not a fan of the first Pitch Perfect. I'm not a big what? fan of that movie. I honestly didn't watch it. What? Uh, Maybe I, I, you can convince me, Liz. I own it. I don't own a lot of movies. I went out and bought this movie. That's how much I love it. That, I also that don't own you? a lot of movies. It, Maybe, yeah. I, I, I'd have to go and check it out with, like, you can borrow mine. I will send it to you if you want. I was like, you I should drive down to L.A., go visit Aaron, and then borrow your DVD. <laughs> no, I'll just, it'll just be your Hanukkah gift. It'll be very simple. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Seven um, gifts. I, no, I'm not a big fan of Pitch Perfect. I think it has its moments. Um, and I've seen it a couple times. It's not, I haven't changed my mind on it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it happened. But I'm, I'm aware I'm also in the minority. I know a lot of people love Pitch Perfect, and you know, they're looking forward to Pitch Perfect, too. Uh, what I do admire about seeing this sequel, I guess I'll get to my thoughts on the trailer first. The trailer, as far as it goes, it, you know, it's whatever. It's a trailer for a movie that I wasn't interested in to begin with. But for what it has going for it, I like that Elizabeth Banks is the director. I like that we have basically a female director directing a highly anticipated summer movie. Um, I do like this cast. Uh, I wish Rebel Wilson would do more than just make fat jokes, because I think she's more, she's better than that, essentially. <laughs> but, um... For the most part, yeah, it's, you know, it's the trailer for Pitch Perfect 2. It's about the most worked up I can get over it, so there you go. <laughs> Liz, uh, appar- <laughs> apparently you're a big fan of Pitch Perfect. Yeah, bring you some energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I love the first movie, and I watch it all the time. This trailer I'm not a fan of, though, but I think that's because I'm probably not going to love the sequel. All the elements of the first movie that work and that make the movie so much fun are the odd characters finding some sort of common grounds, for the first time, the musical numbers really having momentum and excitement because they come out of this ragtag team. And then the love story between Skylar Austin and Anna Kendrick has a lot of chemistry. And I think that's what also pulls the movie together. Um, and I think those are all the elements that make the first movie great. And they're already taken. These aren't things that are going to work again for the second time. Maybe the musical numbers will be fun, but I, I think it's already worn tread already tread territory that's an expression um and it's i I just think it's going to be redundant and but yeah i agree elizabeth banks taking control of the industry in a different way is is wonderful like she was a she was a producer on the first film and yeah yeah. she stepped up to be the director for this film it just looks a little too polished um you know even them singing cups it's like what's great about cups is that it was like this old-timey song from like decades ago that they co-opted and turned it into this like adorable folk hit 
and then it's like now it's their power ballad. I I don't know. I I think it went the wrong direction. The thing I can say to your point about it maybe retreading the same ground is what I can only hope is that because they've already had that first movie, which has a lot, which has a lot of things that I don't like, they don't have to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, they don't have to have the romance stuff is I love the romance as stuff. broad as it needs to be. And they don't have to have the like fighting for control over the acapella group because it's like, Hey, we're all on the same side at this point. So we can do other things. That's what I can hope for. I guess if I actually go see this movie, pitch perfect too, for the people who hated the first one. Are you a fan of Bring It On, Liz? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also love Bring It On. Because they're like the same movie, just ones with cheerleading, ones with acapella. <laughs> I like the female, like the female cast coming together, overcoming the odds. I mean, I also love sports movies. Any kind of sports movie, you know, where they culminate in, in breaking the odds or, I love it. It's, it's simple. Breaking the odds. <laughs> yeah, it's an yeah. You have not seen Pitch Perfect, apparently. I haven't seen Pitch Perfect, but I saw the trailer, and I, 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 I'm not really excited to go see it because I didn't see the first one, so I don't understand any of the storyline. Um, and then I was thinking, oh, uh, they're probably going to go to a giant competition, which uh, which a lot of acapella groups are going to compete for. And sure enough, they do. And it reminded me of that one very, very short to theater release where it kept getting pushed back where these basketball guys start dancing. Oh, you know, that one with, with, uh, with Sawyer from Lost. Uh, yes. It's like, yeah. ba- it's like battle of battle of the year. Three yeah. Oh, where, yeah, yeah. Where like America has never won and, and they, they're the American team, but they're a disjointed group of folks that need to come together. But I'm sure that there's a massive audience for it. So good on you guys. And uh, the women in this movie are all incredibly attractive. Yes, including you, River Wilson, with your winking. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm all for the attractive women, but for the movie, eh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we have Liz on, who is a big fan of Pitch Perfect, so we didn't completely alienate our audience, who are all <laughs> massive Pitch but Perfect fans. They're going to hate me because I'm not looking forward to it. So. But at least you love the first one, so it's not I just did. a hate fest on this movie. <laughs> all right, so Pitch Perfect arrives in theaters May 15th, 2015, which is a pretty cushy date for a summer movie. So I'm expecting that to be pretty big. And, uh, yeah, with that said, I think we move on now, guys. I think we get to our main review for The Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, dash, part one. I never wanted any of this. I never wanted to be in the games. I just wanted to save my sister and keep Peta alive. Miss Everdeen, it's the things we love most. That destroy us. That should have been some of the trailer for The Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, dash, part one. In this latest installment of the Katniss Chronicles, things are maybe worse than ever, but was everything ever that good? Um, having escaped the games again, this time Katniss and others find themselves in District 13, living underground, trying to conduct a rebellion against the Capitol and President Snow, Donald Sutherland. District B13, District B13, District 13. <laughs> District 13's probably the wrong movie. They're doing parkour? <laughs> yeah, the parkour adventures. Uh, District 13's President Coyne, Julianne Moore, wants Katniss to be the face of the rebellion, the Mockingjay, which is the challenge Katniss must live up to facing. Of course, she really just wants to rescue, you know, PETA, Josh Hutcherson. And uh, see how that goes in this part one of the two-part final movie chapter of this trilogy that's a, now a quadrilogy, but kind of... Weird to say, right? With all that in mind, Liz, 
me. What were your thoughts? Uh, I, re- I recall you were on the podcast for the Hunger Games, which you're yeah. a little bit disappointed by. But yeah. I, but what did you think about Catching Fire? And now what did you think about this movie? Oh, my God. Catching Fire was amazing. I thought Catching Fire was like a really great, watchable, like multiple viewings film. Um, this one, it's like this, you know, the second best at a third. Uh, it's kind of a filler film. But I was still happy as a fan because I got to spend two hours in the world with these characters, kind of getting to know everything a little bit better. Um, but, you know, a major criticism people are saying is that not much happens. You're just setting up for the fourth film. It's a cash grab. But what the way I describe it is that it's just um, it's like an episode of a TV show that you love where nothing happens. It's just like a slower episode that's thrown in midseason, maybe and. And nothing happens, but you still get to watch your favorite characters. So I was happy. Abe? So I agree with Liz that it kind of feels like a filler movie, but because they did it well and there was some good acting and some good lines, um, and you're also really starting to investigate the motives um, of some of the Pan Am elite, as well as District 13's uh, uh, council, organizational heads, whatever. It's structure, yeah. Yeah, like their government there. you know, it's really interesting just to to have Josh Hutcherson say at one point, you know, like, hey, are you sure that you know what they're doing or something like that? And I was like, oh, maybe, oh, what is going on here? Oh, yeah. Um, Abe, I forget. Have you read the books? I haven't. I, I read the first one. I wasn't all that enthralled with it, so I didn't finish the other two. Gotcha. What? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. I know, Liz, you've, you've read all the books a long time ago. Yeah, the and... third book, though, I, I don't remember as well, and it wasn't my favorite. And, so. I, and I've read I've – read... Two and a half of the books, <laughs> meaning that I've read the movies <laughs> up, up to this point. I'll eventually finish. Perfect. The, I'll eventually finish the re- the next half of the third book and be complete before I see the next movie. There you go. But uh, just to continue on with some some brief thoughts is, yeah, it certainly is a filler movie. But again, because they did a good job of filling in some of those gaps and kind of making you anticipate what hopefully is a, a pretty dramatic third, uh, or I'm sorry, a third film, second part. Uh, final act there. Uh, I hope that it's really well done. Um, the pacing was not bad, and some of the, I guess, some of the elements of the acting was okay. But again, they really give you a lot of that reveal at the end there when they when they had this rescue situation and then yeah. something happened. So I, I'm curious to see where they go with it. Um, it's Which not is genuinely a, scary. That part was like I was yeah, actually, at, I, 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 I was quite shocked myself. Um, but again, I, it doesn't. There's not at all a whole lot that happens per se, but there's just a lot of background story, which again, if it's executed well in the, the final movie, then I think it'd be well worth it. Um, so yeah, uh, I did think it was executed. Well, um, if you, if listeners recall, I was in Africa last year when you guys covered the catching fire, blazing the rains. Well, yeah. And, um, so I didn't get a chance to really kind of delve into my thoughts on that film, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it would, I, I, you know, I was one that liked the first hunger games and I, I found my, uh, catching fire to be, just as good and maybe not a little better i didn't go over the over the moon for it in the same way that a lot of people seem to in comparison <laughs> to the first film i was pretty happy with both parts and this part i feel pretty much the same about i've i'm acknowledging in my eyes that the hunger games has been a very consistent series um in and i mean that in a very you know enjoyable and well done way i do think the performances are what stand out very quite strong because i think jennifer lawrence is certainly like the rock of the series she does a great job as katniss um i the adult cast is very good here they continue to be very good like elizabeth banks who we were just talking about for pitch perfect too 
um, she she's not in the book. She's not in the third book. Right. And she like they, apparently they're like, you know what, this character works, so let's have her back. And she and Woody Harrelson and Phil Hoffman and Juliet, like they're all just doing a really great job in this movie. Like, like it in a in a way that works too. Like it doesn't feel like they're just kind of phoning it again. It just it feels like they're you know they feel like they're a part of this world. And that's another thing that I really like about this series. I think like the world is really well handled. Like I, I feel like I. I that's why I like these movies. I feel like it does a good job of setting up what this world is that these characters exist in. And because of that, there's not so much stress put on showing us this world, even though it's able, it's able to do that. But I can just, you know, sit back and watch these characters. And Liz, you made a good point. It is like watching not necessarily an episode of TV of a TV show necessarily, like you said, but just I, I'm, I'm very comfortable just being with these characters in this world and watching them go. And I don't necessarily need a you know extended third act featuring games of people killing each other because I'm just happy seeing what happens with these characters. But I do like that this this uh, this film breaks that format for obvious reasons, and it, you know it becomes its own thing. It is a lot of setup, sure, but the movie does have a beginning, middle, and end. Like it doesn't feel like it's it's obviously half of a story because it's part one, and you know that right. going in. But at the same time, I think they I think the writers, uh, Danny Strong, and that was the other one, it's um, Peter Craig. They've done a good job of kind of adapting half of a book to fit a three-act structure of a film, and I was I was happy with that. Well, but I think the first film failed in the sense of not setting up the heart of the literature that it's based on. Like, So basically, in the first film, in the first book, you have the character of Rue, and this is a character that's often talked about. It's like a fan-favorite character of a little girl who inspires Jennifer Lawrence or Katniss or whatever, and you know, she basically inspires Katniss to fight for the rest of the series, and I think what this third movie didn't do quite well is bring that drive back, um, uh, started by Rue, really, of the sentimental, the nostalgic aspect, the heart of the series. And instead, they just overloaded you with like a teary Katniss in every single scene. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm basically just trying to say like, I saw a lot of Katniss's tears in this movie. And what I really wanted to feel was like the driving force that was really in the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. So I I agree with that too. And um, I I agree that I saw a lot of teary uh, Jennifer Lawrence. And I, I, that's why it was intriguing to me to try and understand what that, that particular regime over at district 13 was uh, attempting to do. And Mm -hmm. if it, if there's an ulterior motives in terms of, hey, like, let's rule Pan Am when President Coin is done um, with a, uh, with hopefully this egalitarian society. But I'm pretty sure that I want to be an iron-fisted ruler. So I'm curious to see what they're doing because they make all these propaganda films and they're really, really trying hard to, to make her just like a symbol versus uh, having her go out there and uh, and finish this, uh, I guess, finish this uh, or end this regime with her intentions of, fighting for a freer Pan Am because she did uh, find that Rue was one of her favorite um, partners in the Hunger Games, and it really did start because of that. Uh, so I'm curious to see where they would take that. And this is this is part of what I like about seeing a film version of this third book, where the, you know the books are obviously they're written from Katniss's perspective, so you don't really get much outside of that in these films. I like what something I like in this film is yes, Katniss is she's a passive character in this film. Like yeah. she doesn't, it's not about making her into like a superhero, but I like that she. I mean that that shows complexity to me. That shows that she's not yes. like this, this yeah. driven warrior person. She's a person. She's just a regular for all intents and purposes. She's really just a regular kid. She never wanted to be in these games, which she says. She, says. Uh, she never wanted to be this you know a symbol. She just wanted to 
she wanted to stand up for her sister in the first place, which is what she did, and she managed to somehow outsmart the games themselves and get out alive with her friend Peta, you know, or at least someone she knew. And now she's at this point where she's, you know, this this face of a rebellion, which is something she doesn't want. And I, I, I don't know if I need to see her like be this super driven warrior person because of this yeah. memory she has of some other character. I and and I, and with that, I also think it's, you know, she's. I wouldn't say she's a supporting character in her own movie, but she's certainly not the. She's not completely the focal highlight throughout this film, which is something I like. I like being able to see the different sides of things, uh, like seeing the kind of um, President Coin and these names. Uh, yeah, I know. What's <laughs> Hoffman, Hoffman's a Plutarch? Plutarch and them interact, and even um, what's his name? Um, Julian Je- Moore. No, Julian Moore, but uh, Jeffrey Wright doing his thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And President Snow be diabolically evil, and Hamish coming up. Like I just, I like seeing all these characters do their thing, and yeah, obviously. Jennifer Lawrence is, you know, she's a big presence here, and I can give her, I can give or take the Liam Hemsworth relationship because that character never really does anything for me. Uh, <laughs> he just Gale. looks sad and mopey. He even acknowledges at one point that he's the only, he's only there because he's sad, and she'll go over to him and, yeah. and comfort him when he's sad. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a sad, uh, it's kind of a weird like fourth dimension thing. Weird pickup line. Wall. Know yeah. what I, know what I did like in terms of sad mopey characters? <laughs> Peta. Well, I like. Well, I'll get to Peter because I really I think Josh Hutcherson does a great job in this film. Yeah. Uh, but Sam Kaplan as Finnick, where in the first film, oh, yeah. at, at Catching Fire, he was all you know. He was very he's all out, he was very outgoing and trying yeah. to present himself in a certain way. But now everything's been basically taken away from him. He's and you broken. See that. He is yeah. broken, and I like I like seeing that. Like you saw, you know, he basically you know, he did everything he could in the in the Catching Fire. In this movie, he's a completely different character, which in a way that makes sense. And I really like that. Well, things are not what they seem, and I think uh, that is what I like about this film. The control room of these promotional videos that is headed by um, by Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is is similar to the arena control room, and it's you never really know. Do you really trust District 13? You know, Finnick is no longer this like cocky golden boy, and and Peta's not what he seems, and Katniss is now looking dour and plain and and almost broken. So it is a nice departure from you know the the arc of the first two films and i i do admit that my criticism of her reactive performance katniss's reactive performance is more of a criticism of the first film than of this one because i really think they should have set that up better in the first film to have the better payoff for the rest of the series um but 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 i agree (laughs) i agree (laughs) with you guys are saying yeah and just to pick about uh, just to piggyback off of what you guys have both said, so Aaron, I do agree that it shows complexity not in just the character, but in terms of the world that they've built. When you start seeing different sides of the the equation, and also the whole entire distrust, or I guess mistrust, uh, of a group of directors on the set there. Um, I forget what her name is, but she's got the shaved head and the tattoo. Oh yeah, uh, Natalie Cressida. Dormer's character, Cressida. Yeah, Cressida, and then like her cameramen of Castor and Troy. Yeah, uh, the yep. twins. This is my assistant, Masala. It's an honor to meet you. And your cameraman over there, Castor? Hello. I'm Pollux. Let's get locked in. You're all from the Capitol? Plutarch got you out? Don't expect much chit-chat from him. Capitol cut his tongue out years ago. And no, it wasn't any sort of rescue, if that's what you mean. We all fled on our own. For this. For you. And that kind of gives me some heebie-jeebies or, like, my spidey senses are tingling. I was like, 
this can't be okay. They, they, they've escaped from the, the capital themselves, and now they've got, like, these weird guys that don't talk, and I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I, well, I hope like the capital took the tongue out of one yeah. guy. I mean, that's right. the capital yeah. made about him that way. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there's, like this, there's a lot of intrigue in how, the, the, or in how they're operating, and, again, how much Philip Seymour Hoffman is, is really, really pushing for these propaganda films and Julianne Moore is also going crazy about it. It's media and it's not, I mean, they're not hiding it. They call it war propaganda. They know exactly what they're No, but it's a, the film has a, the book too has a distrust of media or a manipulation of media. And so I think that's also like that contributes to the paranoia that you might have. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just thinking of nothing, but yeah, then if that's the case, then great. You know, they've conveyed that quite well from the page to the screen. Well, that's something I like. I mean, the, uh, the the first two films are, you know, they have a lot of societal commentary in there, mm-hmm. you know, class class commentary and whatnot. And this film replaces that because it has to, because it's not dealing with, you know, the games anymore. It replaces that with war propaganda, with you know, and and how that kind of plays an effect in, on a rebellion side versus the, you know, the side of whatever the the empire. I like seeing the way that that plays out. I like having. You know, I like how they put Katniss into those scenarios. How they you know, they yeah. present her with this position of being this person that they need to figure out how she can give the most effective speech to bet to best represent what they're fighting for. And she can't just like phone it in and be told what to do. She has to like they have to find the way to give her that passion and rage that she can announce things that evil President Snow. <laughs> Right, they really want her to emote that, like, hey, we really need you to tell, sell this because we really want to do something with the capital. Now, with that uh, said, and I'll I'll tread lightly, even though you know America and the world saw this movie this weekend. Right, um, Josh Hutcherson as Peta, his role obviously he's not you know present with District 13 because he was captured in the last film, and we only see him basically in a, on in TV interviews with. Stanley Tucci, who continues to crush it every step of the way. It's huge. Just giant veneers. There has been rampant speculation about what really happened in the quarter quell. And here, to shed a little light on the subject for us, is a very special guest. Please welcome Mr. Peter Malak. Peter, a lot of people feel as though they are in the dark. Yeah, yeah. I know how they feel. Now, so set the stage for us. Talk us through what really happened on that final and controversial night. Well, first off, you have to you have to understand that when you're in the games, you only get one wish. It's very costly. You're alive. When you when you when you watch those scenes, and this is I mean this applies to the book as well, and as me not just like knowing things ahead of time, but just kind of an understanding I had. I never believed PETA was, like, serious about the things he was saying. Or I never believed that he believed what he was saying. I, in the I, book or in the movie, too? In, either way. Either, like, oh. I, it, it never occurred to me that he could be actually, like, have turned on Katniss and is, like, saying evil things about District 13 and the rebellion. Yeah, and that's not the rebellion, right. I, I've always just thought he's being forced to say these things. Like, that's always been the impression I have. I mean, that's the impression that I got, too, especially when they have a message that is kind of mixed with signals from Katniss, and then he's kind of, uh, or he he has a conflict uh, within himself. He's like, hey, is that Katniss? And, and then he kind of tells them uh, a super secret. And um, so I was, uh, I'm not really sure where he stands on that, and sort of the, the tail end of this movie where they talk about what may have happened to him over at the Capitol, I, I still am not sure, wholly sure, if he believes that, that 
everyone should stop. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a part so. two stuff we'll get to, I guess. Right. Yeah. But he always like Pete as a character always has been able to play people or kind. Of, it's not like an yeah, amazing manipulative. Yeah, that goes along with what my thoughts play. on it. Yeah. Yeah. But then when I was watching the movie, I I forgot the third book, like because I didn't really love it. Um. So everything he said, I took at face value. And whether you you want to do that or not is up to. I'm trying to be very big. Um, but, <laughs> um, so you know, I kind of felt like I could understand why he would have the potential. I mean, if Katniss were gone, um, and if he thought Katniss were dead, he had nothing to live for. Essentially, uh. like Peta, that's like that is his entire life is Katniss. So I understand. I understood that kind of rationale. I mean, he could have gone back to baking cakes and baking bread. But, <laughs> I mean, probably, he's probably doing that when he's not on TV. Right? <laughs> yeah. probably punishing that's his relaxation. Yeah. yeah. But that's also what I like about this movie is that I don't, I don't care about the love triangle for the entire series. I could care less Very about true. Peter versus Gale. And this movie really doesn't push that at all. I mean, there's like, it's almost as if she already decided who she wants in this stupid love triangle that people Gale like seems to, to know set too. Up. Yeah. Gale's yeah. Like, Gale does too. <laughs> I guess and I'll just that, go away yeah. now. <laughs> I love that. I love that it's about her and not about her and these two guys. I also like seeing, like, you know, some of these other characters uh, being expanded on in their own ways. Like Bill Seymour Hoffman, who, you know, didn't have much to do in the last one besides having well, he played, a few played quick lines. A dual role in the well, last yeah, one. he was playing it, you know, kind of fast and loose with his where his allegiance is lied. This film, you get to see, you know, who Plutarch really is. And I like that. I think, I mean, obviously, it's Bill, Moore, it's Bill Seymour Hoffman. And he's I know. An actor, but so I, good. Yeah. yeah. But I, uh, the I, other thing I liked about the other characters was Julianne Moore, and one of the best things about her is just her political, uh, just her the way that she exudes herself to the audience, and that kind of makes me question some of her intentions. So I like the duality that they might be trying to pose with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess last thing before we wrap uh, well no I got some other things I guess oh. I, I do think the movie's well made like I do think it's absolutely it has a very consistent like kind of look for the series even though I mean Francis Lawrence has you know done the last film and these next two films and Gary Ross of course did the first film and even when the second film kind of took a departure somewhat stylistically just because you have different directors in mind I do think the films have been very consistent in terms of kind of their look and the way they show the world off and yeah. even as it gets darker Hey, let me ask you guys. You guys read the books, because this is one thing that I was confused on. What's the time difference between what happens in the second movie and then this one? Is it just a few days? It's yeah. it's pretty immediately. Yeah, it's yeah. like... Okay. It's, it's I like, was wondering, because she has like a lot of PTSD, and then she's also... Or it starts off with like a hospital scene, and I was like, well, they were in a hospital before, or they were flying somewhere before, so... Um, if it was within a few days, okay, that makes more sense, because some of it kind of threw me off of just how quickly they were able to get Josh Hutcherson or Peter Malark, you know, ready to do his stuff and then her stuff too. Um, so, okay. Yeah. A few days. Yeah. And I mean, she goes, she just, you know, lost her home and right, survived yeah. the, the killing games again. So I mean, she, yeah, she survived, she survived judgment day in Los Angeles. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess last thing, um, were you guys happy with how it kind of concluded itself? Ah, <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I was, and I think that that's because I really want to know what happens to one of these, or like why one of these characters is the way that they are, and that kind of it's almost like a it's almost like a who shot Mr. Burns type thing, and I I always say that not in like in a joking way, partially, but because that was a, this, this a great cliffhanger episode for you to ponder the entire summer before the Simpsons came back on um, about who may have shot Mr. Burns, and whenever movies like that 
kind of uh, they capture your attention that well or TV series capture your attention that well, I really do want to know what happened. So um, I want to see where those characters or what what becomes of those characters and also maybe some final uh, some final uh, explanations to some of the questions that I have. I mean, I, I wish to I just want to see what happened next. I wasn't like you know, desperate or, or upset, but I was sitting there just thinking like we were going to stay through the credits. We're like, could there be more? Could I was just, I wanted, I was like a drug addict. Um, but, <laughs> Which but she's I, not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, winning yeah. movies if you're a drug addict. That's not true, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just my main point is that like, it, it wasn't an ending that like took me where I, I wanted to go, but it wasn't so disappointing that I now am angry at the series. Right. I, I would say that I, given that I, I know the book and I had an idea of where it was going to end, I would say if it ended five minutes sooner, it would have been a shocking ending. Mm-hmm. But because it ended where it did, I like that it's basically a character ending. And I appreciate that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, that said, I guess we can rate the film. <laughs> uh, the Hunger Games colon Mockingjay dash part one. And um, so, Liz, I'm going to ask you, when should people go and see this movie? Well, fans have already seen it. So then I agree with that. You just go see it. It's very exciting. But if you're just casual about it, I would say check it out in the theaters, but don't rush to see it. Abe? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say theaters as well. I mean, you don't really have to rush out to go see it, but uh, it is certainly is a, a, a spectacle. Yeah, I, I mean, I said I like these movies quite a bit. I like this one just the same. It's solid for me. So, yeah, go see it. Check it out. Woohoo! When you can. <laughs> All right, let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. Oh, God. This is where we get to some of the movies that we might have thought of during or after said movie, which is, of course, The Hunger Games colon Mockingjay dash part one. Abe, any uh, movies you thought of? Yeah, Don the Planet of the Apes, Game Change with Julianne Moore, uh, and <laughs> Hannah. Oh, Hannah with Saoirse, with Saoirse Ronan. <gasps> Saoirse Ronan. Hannah. Yeah. Hannah. Hannah. When are, when are Saoirse Ronan and Quibonjane Walls going to make a movie together making the like the hardest names to spell when you have to put it on a movie poster? <laughs> Uh, Liz, any movies you thought of? Oh, I forgot that this was a question. I didn't even think about this at all. Um, I just spent the whole time trying to figure out who Natalie Dormer was from or what she was from. So Game of Thrones. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought of The Deathly Hallows Part 1. Mm. Um, oh, I love that movie. I I would call that my favorite in that Harry Potter franchise. Me too, me too. But, but not the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban? No, 7 Part 1. There you seven go. 7 Part 1 is, is my second. Uh, Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. Uh, Captain America, the uh, the first first Avenger, because the war propaganda stuff. Uh, Wag the dog, similar reasons. Uh, yeah. The Born franchise, because I really think you're gonna get kind of the same vibe from the the first three Born movies and these first three Hunger Games movies, where they're just very consistent to me and I like all of them. Um, and Zero Dark Thirty for an obvious reason. Zero Dark Thirty, yeah. I got that vibe in that kind of third act. I, I did, I did think of that too, but I was like, yeah, this is. I, I like Zero Dark Thirty. Well, yeah, Zero Dark Thirty yeah. is a fantastic movie. <laughs> right, yeah. I was like, that, so, whatever they were doing there was, like, light years just ahead, but because that's it's more focused on that. Anyway. Let's move to Callback. Callback, Callback, Callback. Let's move on now. Let's get to our sponsor. Um, of course, each week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can go to audibletrial.com, so shout out podcast, and get a free audiobook download. You can find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your various MP3 devices. And, of course, you can download the Hunger Games trilogy by Suzanne Collins. Those are all available on Audible. 
Um, you can go there. You can download those books or any other book that you find at audibletrial.com. podcast. Download the book for free. Check out the service. If you don't like the service, you get get rid of it, but you get to keep the book that you downloaded for free. So audibletrial.com. podcast. Be a winner. Read Yay. or listen. Good? Good. All right. Let's move on now, guys. Let's get to a little out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. <laughs> this is, of course, where we go over the various questions and answers that we received on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, where we ask a bunch of questions and our listeners give us some answers that we'll read off now, and they also supply us with some questions that we'll answer for them. Interesting questions that you guys asked us this week. Uh, anyhow, we asked you guys a set of questions here. Who is everyone's favorite character in the Hunger Games film and books? Uh, April writes, for a long time I would have said Hamish, but the more I reread the books, I fall in love with Peta. Hmm. Uh, Justin writes, films, Katniss, and in the books, Peta. Uh, Jason writes, Woody Harrelson's character, which is Hamish. And Bob writes, what's this now? <laughs> so, uh, Bob, uh, we're in the 21st century. No. <laughs> Thanks for that answer, Bob. This is the other favorite character? Oh, Katniss, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Katniss. I mean, the films, for me, it's obviously Stanley Tucci. I mean, that's... The Tooch. The Tooch. Yeah. Avian favorite character? I'd say Hamish. Yeah, Hamish is pretty solid. He's got he's got the wisdom, but he's also uh, he's a loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real roadrunner. Yeah. Um, he's a real true detective. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth Banks' character, Effie, makes a return to the Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1. Despite not being in the book, what sequel fran- or franchise film would you have loved to see a character have returned to? Uh, so Manish has Gilderoy Lockhart in the Harry Potter and Order of the Phoenix, like he does in the book. Can't get enough of Sir Kenneth Branagh. Uh, James has I'd, li- I'd have liked to see Newt Hicks and Bishop make it to Aliens 3. Mm. And Philip has I would have liked... Uh, Philip, son of Cole, to appear in any of the Phase 2 Marvel films. I know we get plenty of Coulson in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but his character has developed a lot since Avengers, and I would like to see his interactions with the Marvel headliners. And our next question is, Donald Sutherland has been very effective uh, as a villain in these Hunger Games films. Who are your favorite evil tyrants in movies? Michael writes, Emperor (laughs) Emperor Palpatine. Uh, James writes, uh, Shaka Zulu in Zulu. He was insanely bloodthirsty, but I've still rooted for him at the end. Uh, Joe Jans writes, The Joker. Uh, I'm sure all of them. Uh, and Philip has Forrest Whitaker in The Last Game of Scotland, and Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. And lastly, Jason has John Hurt in V for Vendetta. That's a good answer. I like that one. Johnny Hurt. And uh, Emperor Palpatine. That's a good choice right there. <laughs> that's kind of the embodiment. Can't really go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Dark side. The Senate is in order. <laughs> We'll just do dueling Palpatines in another episode. <laughs> yes, let the hate flow through you. Well, this is one of your right. good impressions, Abe. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, Philip asks, as 4K and TV technology progresses, do you think there's such a thing as too much resolution for a movie? That's a fun question. Too Maybe? Much I mean, Liz might have a great answer for this. Oh, God. She does direct a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, I have an affinity for, like, 70s the look of like seventies film and like, you know, seeing the spider legs and I like when things look imperfect. So I do have an affinity for lower res VHS, things like that. High eight. Um, high but, eight. <laughs> I do. I like high eight. Uh, but that's just cause nostalgia. And I, I really don't care a lot for the growing resolution. Oh, that's so horrible to say as a director, but I don't, I don't care about it. We're not going to hold you to it. No. Yeah. Um, I would say as a person that reviews Blu-rays, um, it 
it's not a it's not a matter of the too much resolution. I mean, I, there probably is a point, but at the same time, there's a lot of really lovingly redone remasters of films. My one of my favorite go tos is North by Northwest, which has a terrific Blu-ray where the movie looks like it could have been filmed yesterday, which isn't like a slight against like taking away from the natural aesthetic that it has. It just the colors are so vibrant in that film, and the Blu-ray does such a proper job of it. Same could be said for a lot of these kind of older silent films and early early films from the 20s and 30s that are you know were in black and white and whatnot, where you you can, there's a way to kind of preserve what that film looked like in its heyday without having to go too far of you know removing digital noise and whatever you want to call it to kind of make it look pristine. It's just a matter of making it look you know matching it up to its authenticity of the time, and so it's. It's a tricky thing because, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a limit. I think there's a way to kind of limit the, the point at which you want to go too far into presenting certain, certainly classics and older films. You know, today's films are, you know, obviously look a lot better, or you know, not even better, but look a lot more polished just because of the way technology's evolved and whatnot. So, you know, it's a tricky question for sure. But uh, there's a limit, sure, but I, it's not something that I've necessarily encountered to have a stronger opinion on. Yeah, I certainly think that there's a kind of like a, a fine line, and one of the reasons is I do like the old timey stuff with the like what Liz described, spider legs and the green and whatever else. Um, it cut, I think it adds a certain type of character, um, and you do see people try and recreate it in some of the movies when they're watching like flashback films or whatever else, kind of like in uh, uh, the Judge when <laughs> when they're watching films <laughs> on eight millimeter, and when they uh, for, at one point they switch to quote unquote eight millimeter. Um, as a brother is is uh, recording. Oh, it's but, one of those scenes where every major character is involved watching the video depicting a major accident. Yeah, no. <laughs> one of those scenes. Like, no, no, it was like, earlier. It's earlier when when he's when he goes to go see his mom in laying in state. Okay. Anyhow, um, but in terms of like ultra high resolution for movies, I'm pretty sure that they have tons of resolution too. That's why they're able to get. Blu-ray re-releases and digital uh, re uh, digital re-releases, um, but it's just you know I'm sure that there's so many pixels there that to the to our human eyes we just don't really pick it up. Um, yeah. So I'm sure that's already happening. Uh, but in terms of frame rate, that's a different discussion. Oh yeah, we yeah we don't we'll, we'll, when we get back to the next Hobbit movie, we'll, uh, we'll get back and <laughs> we'll talk about frame discussion. rate. Yeah. Yeah. So our next question is from James Conner. He uh, has a two-parter. First part is, how long of a break is needed before a reboot or remake is okay? And part two, when, in your opinion, is it never acceptable? Any specific criteria, or do you just know? Um, Rocky. They should never remake Rocky. That That is quite a classic. Ever. <laughs> how long of a break is needed? Um... Enough to keep it removed from published consciousness, I think. I mean, it's it's one thing for fran- for comic franchises. I think that's different. That's the same yeah, as like a Bond movie, for example. I mean, it's got to keep going for obvious reasons. But even beyond that, it's a popular comic book character, and you're all, at this point, you're pretty much going to keep seeing movies about that character. So it's not really, it doesn't really bother me to see new takes on said character. That doesn't get to me. But as far as you know, like certain like um I don't know like random like Korean movies that get adapted into American adaptations um. It's it's just more of a more of a kind of a like am I really am I thinking about this movie too much as it is do I really need to see another version of it like it's it's tricky it depends on the movie really like I never needed to see an old boy remake but you know there we go uh, I forgot about that in that movie's you know that movie's eleven years old at this point so it's you know that's a lot that's that's a fairly long break but at the same time it's like I don't I never really needed to see that at the same time 
Uh, Lizzie, do you have a thought on this? Um, I mean, I understand the politics behind the Spider-Man situation. I, I think it is silly, but I, I don't blame people for trying to make money. And those aren't the type of movies that I want to see anyway. You know, so it's like for me, but there's certain franchises that I'm going to be, always be very protective over. And that Rocky is is definitely number one on that list. And if they try to remake Rocky, all hell's going to break loose on, in Las Feliz, California. <laughs> You mean you wouldn't want to see a Rocky remake with Channing Tatum? <laughs> well, I do like Channing Tatum. <laughs> they already made that movie. It was called Fighting. Fight- Fighting. Channing, Channing Tatum and Terrence Howard. <laughs> so he's out. He's out on the Rocky remake. <laughs> they disqualified him from that list. Uh, in terms of when movies can be remade, I, I, you're right, Aaron, that I agree that it's kind of like out, the, out of the realm of your consciousness. And also, if it was like a terrible movie that they just remade, you know, four years later... Um, that'd be okay too. Is it never acceptable? Uh, yeah, for some of like the really old classic ones, which is hard to tell because classics, we've had that question too. Uh, what is considered a classic? Um, and it's kind of difficult to tell. Kind of time will tell. Uh, any specific criteria, or do you just know? Sometimes you just know. I've said this a lot, but it's not. I'm not. I'm not against remakes and reboots at all. I'm against bad movies. So I mean, if you make a good movie, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, True. When is it never acceptable? We've, we've, we have answered this question before, and it's just a matter of, yeah, going into how timeless a classic may be, or like, do you really, like you need a Casablanca redo? Like, no, like it's no, the movie holds up now. Please do not. Like, yeah, and it's <laughs> that's like reach the pantheon. Yeah, but they did that in the critic. I love. There's an episode of the critic where they like <laughs> they change all the endings of all classic film. I love that. If you can quote lines from the movie uh, in the voice of the actor, you probably shouldn't remake the movie. <laughs> All right, so those are good questions, guys. Yeah. And good responses as well. So thank you again. That was out now. Feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And now, Abe, um, what time? Oh, it is time for possibly some awesome games. <gasps> games. That was that was beautiful. I thought so. Brought a Mockingjay tear to my eye. <gasps> I like that. Mock, yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a game this week, guys. All right. It is called The Director Games Franchise <gasps> Fun, comma, Uh-oh. Part Uh-oh. 1. Uh-oh. Yeah. You say, oh, gee, I mean, this is a fun game, and you guys are already... <laughs> yeah, you get mentally like... psyched here, buddy. <laughs> okay, so basically, I have a list of directors who have all directed franchise films, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read you films that are also in their filmography, and you have to guess who the director is and what franchise I'm talking about. Okay. Or what franchise they've been involved in. Sure. And you have to, of course, buzz in by shouting out your name and then shouting out what you think the answer might be. Okay. Understood? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's the first one. I'm just gonna I'm gonna read movies that are also in these directors' canon. Gotcha. Here we go. Alien Resurrection. Oops. Serenity. <laughs> Say Liz. Liz. <laughs> yeah. It's like I think Liz. That's, wait, I, that's Joss Whedon, right? Joss Whedon. Yeah. Okay. What uh, what me. what major film franchise is he part of? Alien. Where? Well, what what other major film <laughs> franchise is he part of? She's correct. <laughs> oh, Star Wars. Oh my God, the J.J. Abrams. Why did I say that? Um, crap. <laughs> okay, Why am I right. not thinking right? Okay, I it, feel it's a it's the Mar the Avengers, the Marvel films. Well, <laughs> oh, you got Josh, you got Josh Whedon. You got the, the point, right? You got the point. The yes. Point. Okay. I, well, that's because I'm like old school. I just watched Buffy. Like, that's... I guess, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, just Alien Resurrection. He, he wrote the screenplay for, by the way. I'm not yeah. Sure. I'm yeah. Directed the film. 
for those that are like writing angry emails at outnotpodcast.gmail.com. So. They all hate me. <laughs> here's, here's the next one. The Island. Bad Boys. Liz. Yep. Michael Bay. Michael Bay is the correct Transformers. Transformers. Yay, I, I, I made myself better. You're on a roll. There you go. <laughs> okay. This, I mix it up now. Some of them get a little harder. Here we go. Here's the next one. Mouse Hunt. The Mexican. The Weatherman. Uh, the Ring. Uh, oh, uh, Abe. Gore Verbinski, Pirates of the Caribbean. There you go. Abe's on the... Hi. Yes! The Weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that cover of that VHS. I like that movie a lot. Of <laughs> VHS. Yeah, it's just him with like a milkshake on his shoulder. <laughs> does he have the Does he have the bow and arrow around his uh, shoulders as well? The uh, you know what? Actually, like the DVD case is him. Like he's walking. It's terrible because he's walking uh, like a smile on his face and he has the bow and arrow on. It's like it's no, like, sell, like it's selling a really, it's selling the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah. The theatrical poster is him with like a milkshake on his shoulder and he's looking all disgruntled. Looking all glum. Yeah. yeah, and his hair. He has like weird Nick Cage hair. <laughs> Here's the next one. The Gift, A Simple Plan, mm. Quick and the Dead, The Evil Dead, Dark Man. Wait, so it's Liz. Yeah. Sam Raimi? Sam, Sam Raimi is the correct answer. So then Spider-Man the first Yes, boot. that is correct. <laughs> Sean just shrugged at me like, well, of course you know this, Liz. Gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Here's the next one. Bad Taste. Oh, oh, Liz. Yep. Um, Peter Jackson, right Lord off of the, the Bat. Yes, Lord of the Yes. Right <laughs> off the bat, Liz. <laughs> she knew. Here's the next one. Willow, Howard the Duck. Oh, God. THX1138. Liz. Yep. George Lucas. George Lucas is the correct answer. Yeah, Star Wars. Abe, you're playing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Here's I'm the next just, one. I enjoy hearing Liz's answers, though. Here's the next one. <laughs> Assassins. Bound, Ninja Assassin, B for Vendetta, Oh, um, Speed Racer. Liz! Uh, the, oh, sorry. Yeah. Did you say your name, Abe? No, no, no. I was saying, uh... Oh, uh, okay. The, um, the, the, the brother and sister team. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What just happened? Um, you got it, Liz. Well, it's the Matrix people, and they have a wonderful last name, and they did Cloud Atlas. <laughs> Sean told and me. They're I, called I, Starship now. Sean told me it's Wachowski. The Wachowski Starship. Wachowski. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm writing Sean. So, yeah, that's not my point. That's Sean's point. Here's the next one. Following. Memento. Liz. Yep. Christopher Nolan. Okay. <laughs> Boom! Liz is crushing this game. Eh? I know. She's crushing it like, you're not even finishing the first answer. She's just buzzing in. Here's the she next knows. one. Here we go. Better luck tomorrow. Annapolis, community episode, modern warfare. Um, yeah, I I know this one. Just say Abe. Abe. Yeah. I want to say like James. Ugh, what's some the, Asian last name? What's the franchise you're thinking? Uh, Fast and the Furious. James yeah. Lin. Justin Lin. You're pretty Justin close. Lin. I'll give it to you. So close. Right, so I'll close. give it to you. You got it. Here's, Go Asians. Here's the next one. This, this one might be. This this one might be tricky. Here we go. All right. Gods and Monsters, Dream Girls, Kinsey. Oh my god. Mm. Wait, I can I can picture the Gods and Monsters poster me, in my head. Yes, right me oh. too. <laughs> don't, don't I don't I'm not listening to you, Sean. Don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop helping, Sean. <laughs> he can't even hear you. He can just hear me get frustrated. Is there another one the you can? Fifth pick? Estate. 
Oh my god. Fifth Estate. That's, uh, that, ah, I didn't even see that movie. I know. This one won't help, but Candyman, farewell to the flesh. <laughs> Tony Todd. Oh god, this is embarrassing. Why don't I know anything? And the answer is Bill Condon from the Twilight franchise. Sean, what did you? What were you gonna say? Sean says James Condon. Bill Condon. Sean, you're wrong. It's Bill Condon. And now he has a smile on his face because he was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the last one: The Outsiders. Oh, Liz. Fish. Yep. Coppola. Coppola. Wait. What franchise? Wait, no, I don't know this. <laughs> what franchise would Francis Ford Coppola be involved with, in? Yeah, with a bunch of olive oil importers. Oh, God. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> I knew Rumblefish, though, and I knew the outsiders. Oh, my God. But this other film franchise is really escaping. <laughs> she said it. They said, it, they said it, they said it, they said it, it with a laugh. Yeah. Godfather, Godfather. Okay. I, have, said it. I have my priorities completely, you know, <laughs> in black. Liz won the game, guys. She, she had a pretty strong sweep there at the end. She did, yeah. So, so Liz, that means she gets to come back to the podcast. Woo! Woo! That was fun. Let's move on now. Let's get to Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD or streaming this week, and we have a number here. Uh, the first up, we have The Expendables 3. Yes. Uh, I didn't watch it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> sorry? I'd rather watch an ad- adaptation of the board game Sorry than be another expendable <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, there's The November Man. I heard that those actually somewhat decent. Yeah, I have nothing. I, I didn't see okay. that in here. <laughs> this is like the If I Stay from last week, where it's like, I, it was out. Oh, I thought If I Stay. I just, it, like, it came out last week on Blue. It was like, that came out already? Like, I thought it was like just in theaters. But, right. No, that was, oh, no. There was, there, okay, next up, The Giver. Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't see that. Did I enjoyed any... it. We, 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 we liked it more than we thought we would. Okay. Um, a Medea Christmas. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what if... Oh, um... I did not like that. I didn't either, Liz, and that makes me happy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sweet. Oh, handshake across the internet. There it is. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of what if. Yeah. Um, this should excite you, though. Nymphomaniac Extended Director's <gasps> Cut. Yes. So two movies all in one for this thing. This is great. This will be monumental. And now we got some throwbacks here. Uh, the Long Goodbye comes out, and I'm a huge fan. This is a Robert Altman film. With it's amazing. Cool. I love this movie, and I was it reminded like I saw Inherent Vice a few weeks ago, and we'll get yeah. to that I guess when we talk about that film, the new PTA Anderson film. But it reminded me a lot of that film, just with a lot you know a lot a lot more drugs in that film. But yeah, The Long Goodbye that's a terrific film that comes out this week. Uh, speaking of terrific films, Abe. Don't yep. be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Makes that Blu-ray is... debut this week. <laughs> I, I watched that movie before I watched all the movies that it, it was playing off of, and then I finally understood what it was playing off of. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's, like, one scene where he's talking to his mom before he goes to see his dad, and, like, a bunch of leaves just keep falling. And I was like, oh, this is, like, in, uh... I forget the movie now, but... Oh, it's, like, in, uh, Boys in the Hood, when, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is being, uh, yeah. off by his mom in the car. So, Yeah. And lastly, anyway, and lastly, it, the Wizard of Oz 3D comes out this week. Woo! 3D up to par with that was a while ago. Like that was it. Remember, I remember that was in theaters like a really long time ago. Too, yeah, like a year ago. Like a year or, yeah, I think, yeah. Interesting. 
Um, all right, so that's out now. Presents was out now, and now we'll move on to next week's show, which is a bit of a mystery because I don't think Abe and I have it yet. We're gonna go yeah. watch Penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about something. I'm not sure quite what we're gonna do next week, but uh, I really don't want to see horrible bosses too. <laughs> stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> horrible. Bo- I, I remember I was like. Were you, were, you, were you the one that was high on Horrible Bosses or something? I remember Mark Johnson was on that podcast. He wasn't a big fan of it. I was okay with it, but at the same time, not. I wasn't think, I wasn't left thinking, I hope there's more territory to mine in this <laughs> so Horrible Bosses franchise. Yeah. <laughs> the two people I liked the most were uh, Charlie Day and Colin Farrell. And I've never watched uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so people were like, yeah, he's, just, okay. he's just himself. He's just Charlie from... From it's always sunny. I was like, oh, if that's the case, maybe I should start watching. It's always sunny. Well, at some point, you're gonna like get this treasure trove of Charlie Day material when you finally watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, last up before we wrap up the show here, uh, just two questions: What should people go see now, and what do you plan to see next? So, with that said, Liz, what should people oh. go see in theaters right now? What have I seen, Sean? What have I seen that I like that? In the theaters. Please continue we to saw, talk to. This is Sean great is podcasting actually, when you talk to people that are yeah, not Sean on the podcast. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I saw Whiplash. Whiplash. Whiplash was fantastic. So, yes, go see Whiplash. Absolutely. What was the second question? What do you plan to see next? Oh. Um, oh, I'm <laughs> That's seeing... a much more depressing question, apparently. <laughs> oh, well. I've seen uh... Into the Woods on and Into the Woods and Inherent Vice next week, but then we have all these screeners. So, I'll be watching. Elaine Stritch movie, and I'll be watching Box Trolls and Skeleton Twins, and all these things I didn't see this year. I'll be excited to hear what you think of Box Trolls, Liz, because I know you were you, Sean, and Abe, and I are big fans of Paranorman, and I yeah. like Box Trolls, and Abe wasn't as big of a fan of Box Trolls, but he certainly liked it, I believe, right? Abe? Okay. So with that said, what should people go see now? People should go and see anything except for I don't know. <laughs> uh, go see Interstellar. Still, it's still out, and I think that it's worth the worth the watching. I'm sure that it needs some. Some cash, but uh, uh, what I'm going to see next, I'm probably going to go see John Wick, like what I said two weeks ago. You still haven't seen John Wick. You gotta get no, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go see it today. I promise you. I'm going to oh. text Aaron and say Wick. Hey, guys, I got a free ticket to Interstellar, so if you want to give it out to a fan of the show, I can mail what? it. Wow. Yeah. Director Liz Manischel, write in with your favorite. Does it just, like, know. applies to anything? Does any... It, it, like, it came in the mail because I'm in BFCA, and it just says, um, let, me, let me just read it. It's it's a little flyer, and it says, admit one up to $13. Okay, so I don't know. You might have to pay for, like, the extra $4 to do awesome things with IMAX. And it must be on or before January 31st, 2015. Expires December 9th. Oh, God, do it soon. Do it soon. So, okay, email us, <laughs> outnotpodcast at gmail.com, the word whiplash, and you might win a free ticket to Interstellar. <laughs> The first person that emails is whiplash at outnoutpodcast at gmail.com gets a free ticket to Interstellar. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Cool. Um, I w- what do you plan to see next, Dave? John Wick, apparently. That's John Wick, yes. Okay. Um, I would, uh, for people, what should people go see now? I have three movies to recommend. Uh, Birdman. Yes. Um, Whip- yes. Whiplash. Whiplash. And Dear White People. Um, I is mentioned this all this, around? I'm, it is. It's, I've seen it in a few theaters still, and um, I, you know, I talked about it a few weeks ago on the podcast. But I really like Dear White People quite a bit. I think it's a very, very sharp satire, and I certainly would recommend it. So if you can find it, go see it. Yeah. And in terms of what do I plan to see next, <laughs> it's probably going to be Horrible Bosses too. No. <laughs> or hopefully, hopefully Interstellar again. I do want to see it again at some point. I'd love to take my girlfriend to go see it with me. So it'd be. Uh, Penguins of Madagascar. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to see Penguins of Madagascar. Just like 
that one movie with all those minions. <laughs> God. The minion movie? The minion movie. That looks kind of decent. And, uh, hey. okay, so, see, no, I don't agree, Abe. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the Madagascar movies I don't like, but the Penguins, I at least like those elements of them. The Minions, I don't like the Despicable Me movies, and they're a prime reason why. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if I want to see a whole movie about <laughs> I've them. never seen either Despicable Me's. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to. Okay. Well, with that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of About Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews as well as at whysoblue.com for all my blue reviews as well as all my movie reviews there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag Bob's Burgers. Hashtag Lance. <laughs> and Liz? Oh, um... Uh, breadandbuttermovie.com is the website for my movie. Um, at Liz Manchelle and at Bread and Butter MV are the Twitter handles, but I'm horrible at Twitter, so that would suck. Facebook, Liz Manichelle. Um, that would probably be best. Facebook is where I talk to people. Facebook. And of course, you can find all the other episodes about now, Theron and Abe, on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as hhwlity.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with other fun shows, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which I am also a co-host on. Uh, the Ichapod Cranecast, which I co-host and print the show, Brandon and Max, we'll talk about Sleepy Hollow every week, and other fun shows about comics and fun stuff like that. You can also find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com, as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast, where we have exclusives like our Interstellar Spoilers episode. Very good. Good job mentioning that, Abe. I almost forgot to mention that one. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Again, email us. Whiplash. <laughs> you might get a free ticket to Interstellar. And in general, just if you want to write in your thoughts on the Mockingjay Part 1 or whatever else, uh, feel free to go over that. You can also interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, you can follow us on Tumblr, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, and feel free to leave us a voicemail. It's 972-798-3830. Be happy to hear an audio recording of yourself as you can play it on the show if you have a question or some kind of yeah. So Jams. Exactly. So, with all that said, Liz Manishill, thank you so much for joining us. Liz, today. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is a ton of fun as always, and it helps when you win games. Yay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, until the Hunger Games colon Mockingjay dash part two, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So, until next time, so long. And goodbye. I will never believe what they say. There is a strength in enduring. Continuity sake. <laughs> Don't want to just have a show run about Willy Nilly. <laughs> continuity. continuity. Yeah. Thank you for being so invested. Here we go. We must let them know that this is what happens when you rise against the capital. Show them the force. Was that your Natalie Dormer impression? <laughs> Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I can't similar. figure. Similar. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. Very. <laughs> <laughs>
the only other line I know from the trailer is, are you, are you fighting with this Katniss? Like, oh, I am. I, I will. <laughs> that was, uh, her, her cat. Yeah, this is a terrible impression day. <laughs> if we burn, they burn yeah, with us. Rah! Rah! 